Hi, I'm Mitchell, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. Man, what a great day for us to be together, whether you're online or in the room with us. If we haven't met, my name is Todd, and I'm joined by Miss Mariah Hollyfield. Now, on, uh, yes. She's incredible. On July 11th, we stood up here together and we presented Mariah as our interim public kids director. And she was had that label of interim because she just graduated with her master's from Lee and she was exploring some opportunities outside of Cleveland. And we made a promise that we would be for her wherever Jesus led her. And today we're up here to let you know that Jesus led her to stay. And so... So the interim is gone. She is our public kids director. And I love that we can honor you with our elementary students in the room because as you guys are enjoying your activity packet, Mariah and the public kids team make that possible. And so can we honor her one more time? Mariah, you're just a gift to Jesus' public church. And one of the things you do exceptionally well is you do a lot with a little. The way we say it in our values is that we see through limitations and move to breakthrough. The way it's stated in the word is if you were just going to want to go to Matthew 25 and read the parable of the talents, she is somebody that Jesus would show up and said, you've been faithful with little. I'm going to trust you with more. And so we are just so honored to have you as a part of our team for good, you know, and just excited that Jesus led you here. And Kristen Arp is going to join us. If you don't know Kristen, she's our team's director. She basically handpicked Mariah for this role, trained her. She continues to lead and invest in Mariah. And so Kristen's going to pray. And would you just join her in praying over Mariah? God, thank you. Thank you for your provision. I thank you, God, that you equip us to do the work that you've called us to. And God, I just thank you specifically for Mariah today, God. I thank you for her heart, her willingness, God, her openness, her um, abilities, God, Lord, the talents that you've blessed her with, God. I just thank you that all of that, God, she uses it for your glory and for the good of your bride, Lord. And I just pray that she would continue to grow in her leadership skills, God, that you would rally people and and support all around her, God, to just um, help advance your kingdom, Jesus, and to just share the gospel um, within an age-appropriate aspect of it, Lord, for the kids that are in our church, God. And I just pray that um, parents would feel supported through her, God, that families would just be strengthened through her, God. I just pray that you would increase her influence. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. One more time. It's awesome. Uh, So I want to start out with a question. I specifically want to ask it to our kids, our middle school and high school students. And I'm just wondering, does your mom or dad ever wake you up by coming into your room and just flipping on the light? Oh, anybody... And do you like it? No. No. This is your chance to be honest. Now, any adults in the room, did your mama or daddy do that to you growing up? Anybody? Okay. And did you like it? No. Then why do we do it to our kids? Anyway, that's a topic for another day. But man, it is just, I think the worst way to wake up because you are dead asleep, peaceful, and all of a sudden it's just like, boom, the lights are on. So what do most of us do? We just hide under the covers, don't we? Like, bring the darkness back. I don't want to wake up. That's completely normal to do when our parents flip on the light and wake us up in a very annoying way. That becomes problematic when metaphorically the light gets flipped on in our lives, our darkness is exposed, and we try to get under the covers and hide and run back to the darkness. So this past week, 
I had a situation where I had an opportunity um, to do that. So on Thursday night, we'd put the kids to bed, and after that, Whitney, um, who's my wife, very calmly, uh, but also very directly said, hey, you are disciplining our boys in anger. And at first, I tried to like brush it off, and I tried to be funny and you know, resist and basically get back under the covers. But very quickly, I realized that she was right. See, we have a process. Corey and Kristen helped us form this process of how we discipline and, and how we spank. And, and part of that process is that it slows us down and makes sure that we're disciplining out of love, not anger, and we pray at the end, etc. The problem was I just fast-tracked the process. So that way I could just be angry. <laughs> I didn't even realize it until she pointed it out. So in that moment, some darkness that I didn't want was to be exposed was exposed. And I had a choice. And again, I initially tried to get back into the covers, but thankfully, Jesus led me to own it, to repent, and to get back to our process that we already had. And really, ever since then, I've been going even slower through that process, just as a heart check to make sure, okay, I'm disciplining out of love and not out of anger. So what do you do when all of a sudden the light gets turned on and the darkness that you don't want exposed is exposed? Do you hide under the covers? Or do you let Jesus deal with it? That's what we're going to be talking about today as we journey towards Christmas. The next two weeks are going to be a two-part talk um, based on one word. And that one word comes from the book of Luke. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 if you want to go there. The reason we are in Luke is because as a church, we are inviting all of us to go through the Knowing Jesus Project Luke edition during Advent. Advent is quite simply a journey towards Christmas. The Knowing Jesus Project is a collection of Bible studies. They give us strategies for how to study and live God's word. And these strategies invite us to not just hear about Jesus, but to know Jesus. So earlier this semester, we released Mark. And so if you want to go on our app, you can do Mark. We're also inviting us this Christmas season to not just coast into Christmas, but to whether or not we follow Jesus to give ourselves an opportunity to get to know him. And maybe you're like, well, I haven't started. I'm behind. Look, I started late because in my personal time in the Word, I was finishing Second Chronicles. So I just started this personally last week. But I just invite you just to jump in and to walk through the book of Luke. And so as I was praying about Christmas, first I want to tell you that we have maybe the most creative title we've ever had for these uh, two weeks. And so it's going to be on the screen. Here's the super creative title, Christmas, a public church, okay? I want to take all credit for that. Um, our creative team had nothing to do with that, and they want to make sure that that's clear they had nothing to do with that. Um, <laughs> But just because we just wanted to go to Luke, and as I was praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to go to Luke, and then he led me to this word. And we're going to be looking at this word from two different angles for the next couple of weeks. So here we are in Luke chapter 1, and just to give a little context before we dive in, the context is that, just to think about if, if any of you like to exercise, you know, it's recommended that you do a warm-up before you exercise, for any of our athletes, what you're supposed to do is warm up before you play the game. And I want to clear up something for you guys that I cleared up for the 930. Mr. Corey Arp is over here. And a few weeks ago, I said that Corey is not an athlete. And I misspoke. Corey is a better pickleball player than I am. He's very athletic. I was trying to say that he's not a sports guy. We talk about football. He has no clue what we're talking about. He's not quite sure what season, right? You know, but he is very athletic. So Corey, just to like straighten that out in front of all of us, Corey is an athlete. He warms up before he plays pickleball and he smokes me, whether he warms up or not. But also, if, if you're a vocalist, you're supposed to warm up your vocal cords before you get to the main activity of singing hard. 
So when we think about the Christmas story and God coming to earth and the Father sending his son Jesus, he didn't just send Jesus, he sent a warm-up. And the warm-up is John the Baptist to get us ready for the main activity whose name is Jesus. And John the Baptist's parents were Zachariah and Elizabeth. And he was a miracle baby. They were really too old to have kids. And so when Elizabeth got pregnant, an angel had shown up and it had told them this was going to happen. I mean, you should read this story yourself. It's amazing as you journey through Luke. And, and this is a miracle baby. And so when Zechariah, after, excuse me, after John is born, Zechariah is going to celebrate. He's going to worship with his words. He was silent for a little bit, kind of a funny part of the story. But he's going to worship with his words and he's going to prophesy. In other words, he's going to say, hey, here's some things I feel like God has revealed to me about my little boy and his future. And so we pick up in the middle of this prophecy in Luke chapter 1, verse 76. It says, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. In other words, you're going to be the warm-up act to the main act whose name is Jesus. It's all about Jesus, but God in his kindness is going to let us get ready for Jesus through this little boy named John. And then he goes on to say this, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. We have to be super clear this Christmas that all of us need salvation. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, you may be offended by that. It's not meant to be offensive. It's meant to be a statement of fact. That all of us need salvation because all of us have rebelled against God. All of us have chosen our way over God's and acted like we know better than God. All of us have chosen what we want at the expense of others. We've chosen what's best for us, even though we knew it would hurt others. And what that means is we have intentionally hurt people made in the image of God. That's just another way to say that we've rebelled against God. So all of us have rebelled against God. All of us are in need of salvation. All of us need forgiveness. The problem is we could never earn that forgiveness that we need. We never deserve it. Christmas didn't happen because God was watching human history and he was like, all right, they've finally done enough good for me to intervene. They've earned it, so I'm gonna send my son. No, no, that could never happen. Here's why Christmas happened. You keep reading, verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God. That the Father sent his son Jesus, not because of anything we'd done, but because of just who he is. He is a God of love and he's a God of mercy who pursues us even when we don't deserve it. And then this next statement, before we read it, I, I wonder if Zachariah looked east and thought about the sunrise. I don't know if you've seen any sunrises this week. We've had some gorgeous sunrises. And so I just wonder if he was looking east and thinking about a sunrise like, like we've enjoyed this week as he spoke these words and said, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. He's painting an analogy saying, man, it's night but the sun is going to rise. And so at this point, he transitions from talking about his little boy, John, to talking about the main act, who is Jesus. And he says this, that Jesus is like the rising sun, verse 79, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. The word for these next two weeks is light. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about light. And if you dig into the Greek, and I want to give Zach Camp credit for this. Zach is a theology major at Lee. And afterwards, he pointed out something that I just missed in my study. He said that this word shine or to give light in some of your translations, it's the only time that the word light um, in Greek really means epiphany. 
So, so here's what Zechariah is prophesying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, man, when Jesus shows up, he's going to shine and his light will be like an epiphany in the darkness within us. It will be like an epiphany in the world because for the first time in human history, God is on the scene as a human. And so the word is light. And we know that Christmas is a story of light coming into the world because Jesus is the light of the world. In fact, John, not John the Baptist, but John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, he wrote this in his non-traditional Christmas account. And by non-traditional, it's not the kind that we're going to read on Christmas Eve with our family, but this is still the story of Jesus entering the world. In John 1, 4, and 5, he said this, In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And in John 8, 12, and then again in John chapter 9, he is super clear that Jesus is the light of the world. The story of Christmas is the story of God shedding light on the world, just like the sun rising on the darkness. But the thing about light is we don't always want it. <laughs> just like when our parents flip on the light and wake us up in an annoying way. Sometimes when the light shines so bright, we just put the covers back over our head and we want to hide in the darkness. See, the light coming isn't always a good thing. At least that's not how we perceive it. And so in Luke chapter two, if you want to flip over, when she, once Jesus is born, his, his parents, Joseph and Mary, they, they take him to the temple. They're doing what God had laid out for them to do as, as parents following the ways of God in the Old Testament, the first portion of the Bible. And as they bring him to the temple, they're going to meet a godly man named Simeon. And here's what it says about Simeon. Chapter 2, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting there for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. When I read this, here's what I think. I want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit like Simeon. Like, this is amazing. Now, just to back up, if you don't follow Jesus, you may be like, I'm kind of confused. You're talking about God the Father, and then he sent his son Jesus, and then there's the Holy Spirit. Look, we believe in the Trinity, which means God is one, yet he expresses himself in three unique but completely unified ways. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we accept the salvation, the forgiveness that's only possible because Jesus came, the Spirit of the living God literally moves inside of us. And he communicates with us. He speaks to us through the word. But at least for me, he also puts thoughts in my mind that I have to filter through the word and I have to filter through community. And evidently, Simeon had gotten so good at listening to the Holy Spirit that he could hear the promises of God. Promises like, Simeon, you are at the back end of 400 years of silence. There's not been a prophecy in 400 years. But Simeon, you're listening, and I want to tell you that the Messiah that we've been waiting on for not just 400 years, but thousands of years, that Messiah is coming in your lifetime. And Simeon was so close to God that he heard the Holy Spirit. Look at this next verse. Here's what it says about Simeon also. It says, verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. I mean, I'm telling you, I just want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit like Simeon does. When God says, move, I want to actually hear him, and I want to move. And that's what Simeon is doing. 
It says, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took, in it, took him in his arms and praised God, saying. Now, when I first read this, I used to think of it like my mamma when she was alive, coming up to random children in public and like getting up in their face. I don't know if any of your grandmothers do this or if you're a grandmother and you do this, um, but just getting up in these kids' faces and I'm like looking at the mom and the mom's kind of like, who's this random lady? She looks nice. I hope she's nice. And mamma's just like up in their face talking to them. This is before COVID. And just like right up in this kid's face, you know, and it's just like, ah, it's kind of awkward, but my mamma's sweet. You know, I'm like, is Simeon this kind of like awkward, sweet old man? No, this is actually common. That here's a godly man in the temple and that as you're there following the law, that he would take your baby and bless him. What's uncommon is everything that Simeon says. It says this, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Pause. The Christmas story is confirmation that God is a promise-keeping God. Maybe you came in today and you feel disappointed or let down by God. You feel like God hasn't kept his promises. Well, I just want to encourage you to anchor yourselves in the word of God and in the story of Christmas, which makes us know beyond a shadow of doubt that God keeps his promises. They had waited for thousands of years. They'd endured 400 years of silence, and yet in just the right timing, that's God's timing, not ours, God delivered because he always delivers. So hopefully this Christmas, the story of Simeon and the birth of Jesus reminds us that we can trust him. That sure, the promise may not even be fulfilled in our lifetime, but God's track record is unblemished. He's perfect, and he always keeps his promises. And so he says, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. And here's our word, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I love that God is so passionate about the nations that he makes sure his heart for the nations are clear in the birth of his son that he sends Simeon to say, yes, Jesus is the glory of Israel. Like the Messiah comes from the Jews, but Jesus is the savior, not just for one nation or people group. He is the savior of the world. And he makes sure we know that from the beginning. And I love that he says, a light for revelation. Because what does light do? It reveals, it shows us the way that we all need salvation, that we all need forgiveness. Well, how do we know how to access that? Jesus is the light who reveals the way for everyone in the world, for the nations to return to God, to have a relationship with God and be forgiven of our sins. But again, the thing about light is not everyone wants it. Now what Simeon, or what happens next? I mean, parents, as you read verse 33, you're like, duh. It says the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Like if you're a parent, like imagine somebody coming up and saying something like this, not exactly this, your child's not Jesus, no matter how highly we think of our children, but just like speaking life over your child. You would be amazed. You would be marveled. But then what happens next is, is a phenomenon that I don't know if you've experienced, but, but sometimes you're in a conversation with somebody and like they just keep going when they should have stopped. 
Sometimes I'm talking and I keep going when I should have stopped. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the conversation's going well. And if I just stopped at this point, everything's good. But like I just talked for about two more minutes longer than I should have. And some of you are like, yeah, okay. Um, if you're wondering, you're like, no one ever does that. It's you. Okay, just being clear here. So Simeon keeps going. And what I want to do is say, like, stop. Simeon, this is like a holy, unforgettable moment. You've blessed this child. You've spoken live. Like, could you just stop? But, but as a man of God, he has to speak the truth. He's got to tell them the full truth. And so here's what he says. It says, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Notice the juxtaposition, the, the, the falling and the rising. See, light, we want it, it's good, but sometimes we don't want it, it's bad. So the light coming to the world means the rising and the falling. It means good and bad of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Is that not what light does? Isn't that what light does? It reveals. And so Jesus, as the light of the world, what's he going to do? He's going to shine even into our hearts and souls. And he's going to reveal everything, which is where the pushback comes. And it says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You know, Simeon here, by using the word sword, he's alluding to the fact that the Romans carried large swords. And what he's doing is he's pointing to the cross. He said, Rome's going to come down on this kid. He's going to have to die, even though he's going to be perfect. But he's going to die for the sins of the world. See, we can hear that Jesus is the light of the world, that Christmas is the story of, of light coming into the world, but we don't necessarily want that light to shine into all of our world, do we? If we're just real this morning, there's areas of our life that we would just assume Jesus leave alone. There are areas of our life that we would like, I, I locked that door, okay, let's just be real frank, I locked that area of the house in my heart and I tried to bury the key, and I know where it is, but I've tried to forget. Now, if you ask me, I'm going to lie to you, even though you're God, and I'm going to be like, no, I don't know where the key is, because I just don't want you to go there, Jesus. Jesus, you can have all of this, but I don't want you to go there. When we think about the image of Christmas and the light shining, we go back to the night of Jesus' birth, and these shepherds minding their own business in the field, and it says, then suddenly, bam, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the light didn't shine in just part of the sky. The light lit up the whole sky. And that's the image that Jesus wants us to see. That following Jesus doesn't mean that he lights up just part of our lives. That he wants to light up all of our lives. And we say we want to follow him. That means we're giving him access to everything. But we don't always want to do that. So here's the question for today. Where do you not want Jesus to shine. <laughs> Jesus is the light of the world. But this Christmas season, where do you not want Jesus to shine? Where would you just assume that Jesus left it alone? Oh, let's not talk about that relationship. Oh, let's not talk about that habit. Oh, let's not talk about that thing that I do when no one else is around. Let's just, uh, we can talk about all this other stuff. Where do you not want Jesus to shine? John in his book, his eyewitness account of Jesus' life, he gives us another verse that summarizes Christmas. It's a very famous verse. Maybe you've never thought of it as a Christmas verse, but John 3.16, like, this is the story of Christmas. 
And here's what John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the Christmas story that God sent his son to offer us life, to offer us forgiveness. Like, like this is the Christmas story summarized. And here's the good news about the light of the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but face facts. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is why Simeon looked at this precious little boy and looked into his mama's eyes and said, your son is gonna represent the rise of some and the fall of some. That he's gonna be a sign that people will speak against because the light was gonna come and it was gonna shine and it was gonna cause people and it causes us to make a decision. There's no middle ground with Jesus. Jesus polarizes. Here's what John wrote. He said, it's the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus only. So it's not like we can say, Jesus, I want you, but I also want this. And, you know, there's like three things that I want to kind of like have up running my life. And one of those is definitely me calling the shots at a certain time. No, no, Jesus is like, it's me or it's anything else. There's no middle ground. It's my name and my name alone. It's not let the light shine in this one area. It's let the light just shine, period, or it's reject the light. And so people then, Maybe some of you watching, maybe some of us in this room have been rejecting light, and here's why. Verse 19, this is the verdict. John 9 says, Here, here's what we see. We weighed all the evidence. We've looked at what people do. Here's what people do. Here's what we do. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Do we love the darkness more than the light? Do our actions say that we love the darkness more than the light? How would you respond right now if your spouse, a close friend, a roommate, grabbed your phone, knew your password, and had three hours to just search your whole phone. Do you love the darkness or the light? What does it trigger in your heart if somebody in your community group knew your password and could get to anything in your computer, anything in the history on your TV? What if somebody just followed you around at work? Let's modernize that. What if there's a camera and your kids could watch everything you do at work, would you wanna show them that film? Would you wanna let your children see it? We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about walking in the light. We're talking about letting ourselves be exposed and being willing to be authentic enough to say, man, I, I, I blew it, but I'm not gonna hide the fact that I blew it. I'm gonna let the light of the world shine in every area of my life. And if we're unwilling to do that, we're saying that we love the darkness more than the light. We love the darkness more than Jesus. Not my words, John's. But there's hope, because verse 21 says this. 
But whoever lives by the truth, that word means practices the truth. Again, not perfect, but walking in light, walking in authenticity, walking in integrity and honesty. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That, that we're walking in the light in such a way that we say, hey, here's the password to my phone. Here's the password to all my devices to our spouse. Hey, you can ask me any question because you're somebody that loves me and is for me. And so any question you want to ask at any time, and I'm an open book, I will answer the question, not perfection, but truth, but light, but a lack of hiding, but not having to walk around worrying about, but what if they see this? And what if she finds out that? And what if it... That's not the life that Jesus meant for us to live because the light shines in the world and the darkness cannot overcome it. And a lot of times that's good news, but also that means that if we let the light shine, there's no darkness that can stand against it and he will expose everything. So why would we do this? This sounds terrible, doesn't it? It sounds really painful to have all this exposed. Why would we do that? Well, 1 John chapter 1 because John didn't just write the eyewitness account of Jesus' life. He wrote some letters. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, This is the message, or excuse, yeah, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. So when God came to earth, Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus is light. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, if we claim to have a relationship with God and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If we claim to have a relationship with Jesus, and yet in this moment we say, Jesus, I'm not going to let you shine there. If we walk out of there and we get exposed and that light switch gets flipped on and then we hide under the covers, then we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to God. And that is breaking our relationship with Jesus. And he says <laughs> that if we walk in the light, because there's another way, if we walk in the light, not perfect, but no hiding. Letting everything be out in the open. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Maybe this Christmas season you feel isolated. You feel lonely. One of the keys to finding community is to walk in the light with God. Because it's really hard to walk in the light with someone else if we're worried that that other person is gonna find out this or find out that, or what if they ask this question or what if they ask that question. That creates barriers to authentic relationships. So when we let the light of Jesus in, it opens us up to find community with other people. And it says this, the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. Why would we do that? Because this is the path to forgiveness. Jesus can't forgive what we don't confess. Jesus can't heal what we're hiding. And I'm not saying that there's stuff Jesus can't do. I'm saying we're not letting him. We are not letting Jesus heal us, which is what he came to do. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. He can heal anything, but he can't heal it as long as we're hiding. He can't forgive us until we actually confess it. So where do you not? want Jesus to shine. I know for me this week, I was um, on Friday having lunch with a guy that I knew pretty well, but didn't know super well. And he said something pretty direct to me. I think he was trying to fill out how I could handle his directness. 
He said, look, I, I know you, I've, I've observed. And, and here's the thing, you're too slow to have direct conversations with people. He said it kindly. He said, you're too slow to hold people accountable. And that moment, the light got flipped on. And what I at least wanted to say for a moment is, if you would just go to our church's YouTube page, we have a whole series called Front Door Conversations. My pride wanted to say, look, I'm the front door conversation guy. What do you mean you're calling me out that I'm not good at this and I'm too slow at this? Do you you see the evil, the darkness, the pride that began to surface in that moment as the light shined on me? But then as I thankfully came out from the covers and, and let it shine, I realized he's right. Yes, I've grown, but man, I have so much farther to go and I am too slow to hold people accountable. I am too slow to have direct conversations that I need to have. And it was so incredible because I've already been thinking about and praying about like, Holy Spirit, where do you need me to grow next year? What do you need me to focus on going into the new year? And the Holy Spirit was like, all right, I'm gonna shine his light and exposed and it hurt. But now there's a path to healing. I was talking with a guy on Wednesday who really mentors me in my role here. And I'd sent him a list of questions and he said, I mean, I could, I can answer all five of your questions, but I think the best thing for you to do is to do this activity. And he gave me this activity that would make me think high level and that would kind of unlock the answers to these questions. And as I reflected on that activity, I did it two months ago. Like the thing he's asking me to do, I actually did two months ago and it had no bearing on how I actually live. So sometimes when the light shines in the darkness, it's not a new area, it's an area that we've acknowledged but haven't dealt with. Because today it may not be something brand new. It may be something that God told us about in July. And then for me, he told us about in October and we still haven't taken action. And he's saying, hey, I don't just want you to confess. I want you to actually repent and change directions and walk in a new way. And because of his tender mercy, he keeps shining that light again and again to lead us to repentance. As you're beginning to open yourself up to areas where you don't want Jesus to shine, but you're thinking, maybe I'll let him shine. We probably need to open up the Pandora's box called relationships. I would encourage you as you open that up to just read 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. As John essentially says, like, hey, if we claim that we love God who's not seen, but we don't love our brother or sister who is seen, then do we really love God who's not seen? And some of the Holy Spirit's been revealing to me as Jesus' light shines, is that there's some places that I've not completed the forgiveness journey. And I use the word journey on purpose because forgiveness takes time and it's a process. I knew that because a couple weeks ago, a name came up and internally I didn't respond very well to that name. And at the moment, the Holy Spirit said, oh, got more work to do. And the light exposed my darkness. And at this point, I'm like, man, I got a lot of darkness. Can you just let up? He won't let up because he loves us too much. And he won't let up because he's not just saying, hey, here's the light, now you fix it. No, he's put his spirit inside of us, energizing us, leading us. He's given us community. That as we shine, that as we, excuse me, as we open ourselves up to the light, then we open ourselves up to real authentic relationships where people can help us. There's healing as we let his light shine. Where do you not want him to shine? We face it and let him in. It's our family's moment today for our kids. Just want to read this to you. Here's here's the question for our kids. Is there anything you haven't told your parents that you need to tell your parents? Is there anything you haven't told your parents that you need to tell your parents? Kids, here's why this question matters. Because the way we respond to our parents is practice for how we're one day going to respond to God. 
Now, I'm not saying that you should judge God based on how we, your parents, act because we are jacked up, messed up in every type of way, and we're going to blow it. Judge God's character based on what God says about himself in his word. But what I am saying is you get to practice one day responding to God by how you respond to your parents. And as you let the light shine in that relationship between your parents, and there's no secrets and there's no darkness, and you tell them everything, you're practicing to live that way with your heavenly father one day and to let his light shine in. And so adults, maybe we just need to ask the same question. Is there anything we need to tell our heavenly father? Is there anything we need to tell our spouse? Is there anything we need to tell a friend? Where do we not want his light to shine? And will we face it and let his light in? Because that's where the healing comes. So these guys are going to lead us in a couple of songs. And as they do, before you stand and sing, I just want to encourage you to to wrestle with this question. And I really feel in my spirit that, that somebody needs prayer. You know, we redesigned our prayer area and in fact it's bigger so maybe you're like okay I don't want to necessarily go talk to John or Zach back there but what I do want to do is I just need to get alone on my knees and pray to God it's bigger so you have space to do that or maybe you just need to let the light shine by going back and saying John you may not know me here's my name would you just pray for me I've got to let somebody in this is a moment for us to begin to let the light of the world shine If you don't follow Jesus, go back there. We'd love to talk with you about the fact that Jesus, yes, he was born, but he died and he rose again. And he is salvation. And he is the only way we can have forgiveness. So these next few moments, let's let him shine. Jesus, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would neutralize any excuses that are in our mind as you literally bring real life situations and people and areas to our minds, that you would just eliminate all the reasons we shouldn't let you go there and that we would let you in and you would begin to forgive and heal and restore and do what you came to do. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social medias at a public church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of public church, you can do so through our app or website via pushpay or by texting public church in all caps and no space to 77977. Again, thanks for listening. 